It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. Mostel Gabby's in front, though, from Jellyby Bartail and Great Steel and G Lang. I've said it many, many times, but he's proved once again he is a genius. That's what the G stands for, Genius Lang. Gavin Alexander Lang passed away last Friday, and sadly, harness racing lost perhaps its greatest exponent, and arguably the best rainsman the sport has seen. An idol to many, a legend to most, and an icon to all. From his maiden victory at Kilmore in June 1976, he would go on to pilot over 6,300 winners. He was associated with many great horses, but he had a special relationship with champion trotter True Roman, combining to win an amazing 65 races, 37 of them at Mooney Valley, which included the Inter-Dominion trotting final of 1988. True Roman got away at the 120, though. He's four metres in front. He's almost got them beat. Fairtelli is boxing on. Simon Katz is making ground the inside. But it's True Roman for the final. A great local win. True Roman by three and a half metres. A name that transcended harness racing, Gavin Lang's craft was a recipe of poise, patience and precision and a balance of understanding the horse, its strengths and weaknesses. He was a craftsman in a specialised field in a lifetime quest for perfection in a sport of chance. It's bleeding and it's draining and it's something unknown that drives you and carries you home. And it's raining on the roses as fast as you can. Still lifting on the outside. Delight me, Gavin Lang. Lang after four Group 1 wins. Delight me's done it the hard way. What a performance. Delight me. What a way to finish the Vic Bread weekend from Empire Stallions. Appropriately, Lang, who was a proud Victorian born and bred, registered his final Group 1 win in a Vic Bread final last July without to play. Hurricane Harley under siege. Demon Delight hit the lead, but out to play's coming at them. Out to play's got the run through with Gavin Lang, and out to play's going on to win it. Out to play beat Demon Delight. Remarkably, of the 27 country tracks and clubs in Victoria, he won the feature pacing cup at 25 of the 27 venues. Yes, heaven was meeting a That's you. On a special edition of RSN Central, let's remember, reflect and celebrate the legend of Gavin Lang with your hosts, Gareth Hall and Adam Hamilton.
Yes, this is RSN Central. This is a very special RSN Central on this Monday, April 27. Good morning to you listening on your local RSN 927 dial throughout Victoria and Tasmania. And hello to you wherever you may be listening on the RSN 927 app or on our website at rsn.net.au. This morning we paid tribute to a man that transcended the sport of harness racing, the greatest driver of all time, Gavin Lang. In the next hour and a half, we'll celebrate Gavin's life with some of his best mates and some of his greatest competitors. Hello, I'm Gareth Hall, and joining me for this special is a man that has covered the sport of harness racing for more than three decades, Adam Hamilton. What a wonderful opener from Dan Malecki. Good morning to you, Adam. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, well done, Dan, and I look forward to, uh, over the next uh, hour or so, Gareth, talking to so many people that have been um, such a big part of, of Gavin's life along the way, and... and finding out a little bit more about the man as well. We know so many of our listeners there will know about Gavin, the on-track competitor, but just finding out a little bit more about... Uh, well, Mick McGowan's going to join us and the, the cheeky character that he was along the way as well. But um, I think everyone who has followed harness racing in any way feels as though we've lost a little piece of the sport in the passing of Gavin. And the only other person I would say that about in my time following harness racing is Vinnie Knight. And joining me here as well as one of Gavin's great mates, the great Mickey McGuan. Uh, Mickey, good morning to you. Yeah, g'day, Gareth. Um, trying times, really. Yeah. Um, quarter past four, I got a text message from Mark Hunter, um, who's a good mate of Dave Walker's, who's a good mate of Gavin's. And then Tonky rang me probably three or four minutes later uh, to tell me about the sad news. And it was incredible because only... Five or six weeks ago, before the restrictions of COVID-19 uh, were put in place by Premier Daniel Andrews, that we went to visit um, Gavin in hospital, and for two and a half hours, it was just momentary visited. Plenty of laughter, yeah. plenty of fun, plenty of old stories told. And it was just sad to hear the um, terrible news on Friday, because when you reflect in these situations, and I've lived it with Darren Mullane, um, it becomes really touching and you revisit stories that you tend to forget, but more importantly, you appreciate more than ever that you had that association, you had that connection. Mm. And you can tell stories to the new generation, like yourself, Gareth, who probably didn't grow up in the Halcyon days mm. that Adam and uh, myself were fortunate enough to do. Uh, but Gavin was a really good man. He was complex. Yeah. He had a lot of layers to him, um, but he had a good heart. And I think this next hour and a half, we will celebrate Gavin's life. We'll probably cry and we'll laugh together. And some of his great mates will join us. Chris Lang, John Caldo, David Aiken. Looking forward to catching up with Andrew Peace, Peter Tonkin, Paul Russo from Sydney, Tommy Hogan, David Thompson, his great mate over there in Perth, Michael Stanley, who worked with Gavin, one of the brightest young stars in the sport of harness racing, Anthony Button, Crandall Getty from New Zealand. And when I talk to all of these gentlemen yesterday they were honored and 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 really um appreciated coming on this show to talk about their great mate mick i know uh i'm particularly looking forward to speaking to andrew peace yeah. uh, and that's a little selfish from me because when i first got into the game and and we're sort of similar ages um these guys were just rock stars, weren't mm. they? Gavin, Vinny, Andrew Peace. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, 
genuinely fair to say they were as big as any jockey or trainer in thoroughbred racing at the time and probably as big as you AFL footballers. Yeah, it was huge. I remember being at Cranbourne the day Vinny took his life and that rocked the world. Mm. It rocked our sport, the sport that you and I love. my second year as a journalist yeah. and I remember Danny Power telling us the news in at the, uh, you know, the then Herald Afternoon paper. So I was at Cranbourne that day, and after race two with Scotty Stewart, he took all the horses home that Vinnie had, and I think the meeting was actually called off. Was. And Gavin, Andrew, great mates, great competitors, Tubby Peace, money goes on, you follow it. Gavin Lang, money goes on, they don't get beat. Some great stories, and I can't wait to speak to George because Andrew and Gavin were as thick as thieves, but fierce competitors on the track, but really great mates. We've got a powerful statement from Megan Lang. Gavin's beautiful wife that I'll read at the end of today's show because if I read it out now, <laughs> we would lose it for the next hour and a half. Um, and we're thinking of, of Gavin's family especially. Absolutely. And, and to be honest with you, Gareth, I'm really thinking of Graham, yeah. who's not well at the moment, also Dot, Dot Gavin's yeah. mum. Yeah. Uh, Gavin's and they're mum. listening. Dot's sitting right Oh, she's now, a champion. Megan, yeah. yeah, champion people. <laughs> I was at Ararat Trots doing a celebrity race one day and Gavin's got a new helmet. And I didn't have a helmet. Daryl Douglas set me up on this 50-year-old yeah. maiden that was going to the knackery the next week. So I go out and do this race with Gavin's new helmet on. Yeah. I fall out. I cheat the start. I cross fire. I go up in the air. I land on the deck. Keep hold of the horse. I've got bark off Gavin's new helmet. I've ripped his new gloves. Yeah. And I said to Graham, we were in the committee room, I said, after it's all done and dusted, I said to Graham, you must be proud of your son. And he said when he was rolling one of his cigarettes that he tend to do. He said, uh, looked over his eyebrows and he said, Mick, yeah, I am proud of Gavin. He said, but let me tell you one thing. He said, I've taught him everything he knows, but not everything I know. <laughs> but that was Graham in a nutshell. Fantastic people. Um, our first guest is a man that I think everybody's really looking forward to hearing from today. A, a great competitor of Gavin Lang um, and a great mate. I speak of Andrew Peace and he joins us now. Andrew, thanks for coming on. Good morning to you. No worries at all. Good morning to you too. <clears throat> yeah, Andrew, um, it's it's wonderful to, to have this opportunity, uh, particularly for, for Mick McGowan and I, to be able to, uh, you know, talk a little bit back on those days. Um, Mick, I, I think it's fair to say that they were almost the brat pack, weren't they, those guys? <laughs> I think it's fair to say that was the case, George, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we were pretty well, a fair bit younger then, and a little, a fair bit wilder too. And you look back, I've just been contemplating the last half hour or so on things, and there was that many things that I ran through my mind. I thought, why did we do that, and how did we get away with that? <laughs> and I, you know, it's, it's you know, it's also now that I get thirty, thirty-five years ago, so world's changed a bit. Some for the better, some for the worse, but uh, they were great times as far as I was concerned. Andrew, when did you become close and how? Um, look, it's, again, getting back that far. I Look, I was, you know, uh, 16 when I started. Gavin was two or three years older than me. And, uh, uh, you know, just eventually just sort of start knocking around in the driver's room a bit, say, hello, mate, how are you? And, um, and it just sort of blends from there. I can't remember the exact time, but just remember watching him as a, a young driver. I always remember seeing his name up on the board at the showgrounds. And it was always uh, G Lang Jr., which he sort of never got away with from that one for much. The junior, and that that stayed with him all his life. And uh, like that's you know back showgrounds days, which is seventies. And uh, you know we just sort of bonded 
gradually over the time from there, he was very uh, quick and dry witted. Seemed to always sort of handle me in that way a little bit. I was, and I was, you know, used to walk away wondering how he got me every time, and then think later, and I said, "I'll get him next time." But next time sort of never came. You, uh, Gavin, and Vinny, you were such wildly different personalities, weren't you? But it, it just worked. Yeah, look, it's 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 uh, it was a bit like a Bermuda Triangle, a bit. I uh, I was I thought I was the middle road of the two. <laughs> In that I was great mates both of them. Their relationship uh, up and down a bit, I might say, and I sort of knew firsthand. I would sort of get an ear from one about the other one a bit and then I get the other one in exact, exact reverse and, you know, still great respect between them but, as I said, a bit of a rocky relationship and uh, totally uh, different people. Um, Gavin, you know, reserved, quiet, controlled. Um, uh, Vinny, outlandish, you know, brazen, wild. And, uh, um, oh, well, it probably for me personally... It blended beautifully to keep things roughly in the middle. Andrew, you tell a story of a night there at Launceston with Gavin. Can you explain that to us? <laughs> oh, well, what happened? Uh, the Launceston for a guy who was so quiet, reserved, and measured on the track, you get away, and oh God, for just one or two comments, he just gets you into so much trouble. And himself, he wouldn't wouldn't leave you out, but you'd certainly crash with him. The uh, we used to regularly go to Launceston. I asked week of the season. Back then it was the last week of July and we'd go on the Monday night after Kilmore Trots. We'd be on the 6 o'clock plane. We'd come back on the Saturday morning for uh, Mooney Valley that night. And we'd do five days. It was well, it was great times. Financially not all that good. I used to budget $1,000 a day before I left and it was usually about right. It was about $5,000 <laughs> a week. Um, we used to have a uh, Wednesday what we used to call Sky Channel Day, and there was two or three others sometimes come along, and we would pick a room. Which somehow, how we worked it out, always end up my room, and we we would bet on everything that moved from from midday to to the six o'clock or the last race, five o'clock, whatever it was, and just on the phone. And uh, look, we did pretty well on the race betting. We had a sort of a, you know we had a pretty good knowledge of most of the races and between us, and uh, but the end of the day that couple of things were certain. The room was a wreck. The food bill and the drink bill, the bar tab, was was in the uh, four figures every time. And, of course, that goes on your room and, you know, the next day everything's forgotten until you get your bill at the end, you know. So I dreaded that. But somehow you always seem to work it out that it was my room. Anyway, uh, we, we got friendly one year with this... Um, bouncer from in the casino he used to have this annoying habit this bloke of walking his sliding his feet on the carpet holding a key and somehow put a charge in the key then he'd come up behind you just where you're at the table he'd just touch you with the key and you get this shock anyway this went on for a couple of days and i and he this bloke was a brute of a bloke he had a vest on where he was bursting out of it looked like it was four sizes too small but and i kept saying to gavin i said if this bastard wasn't so big i said i'll tell you what it's on here Anyway, uh, eventually uh, we got talking about um, Lawn Fest itself. And I said, well, we've never been anywhere. We just get to the casino and don't. Anyway, so the bloke offers to take us out after his shift. He said, I'll show you around Lawn Fest. And all right, meet me at my place, blah, 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 whatever address. We get a cab there. Anyway, we get to the door and the, 
we knock on the door, no answer. So we just sort of push it open a little bit and you put your head in, hello, hello. Yeah. And anyway, the guy was in the shower. He calls out from the door. He said, come in and make yourselves at home. I'll be out in a minute. So we're sitting there at the, at the table and while we're waiting for him, and I said to Gavin, I said, uh, bearing in mind this bloke's a Hulk, uh, I said to Gavin, uh, what's this guy's name? And he goes, I don't know. I said, geez, hell, you can't just call him mate all day. So on the table in front of me, the coffee table was his mail. I said, this is it. So I picked up the mail and I rifled through it and I said, here it is, Glenn Bear. And I looked at Gavin and I said, that's the end of the bear jokes, all right? Well, not one minute later, the bloke steps out, how are you? And he just looks straight at him and goes, all right, Yogi, where are we going? <laughs> moments, you know, where I went. Cause, you know, you don't know the bloke well enough. I don't know if he's humour like that. And I, we just looked at each other and he thought it was great. And there was that 10 seconds which felt like forever. And uh, then it's, the bloke goes, oh, we'll go here, here. And I said, oh, God, there we go. We survived that one. <laughs> but that is Andrew. Gavin with one line, you know. Yeah, that's him. He was good at giving advice in a race, and sometimes he didn't heed to his own advice. Tell us about that story at Yarra Glen when he had that oh. fall. He was on the second row. Yes, Yarra Glen. Yeah. Look, Gavin, to me, in my nigh on 30 years of driving, 25, um, he was the most knowledgeable person by a mile of horses. He knew every horse, what they did, um, from one end of Victoria to the other, to the point that whenever I was racing one that might have been from a country track a fair way out that I never went to, I would always ring him and say, what do you know about this horse? And he would say, he knew everything about it. But, you know, it was fast early, you know, weak, strong, hang a bit, over-race, whatever it was, he he knew it. And, as I said, really knowledgeable. And this day at Yarra Glen, we were uh, in a two-year-old race, and uh, we, him and I were drawn the back line. And there was, I think there might have been only the two of us. If not, there was, might have been a third runner. Anyway, he, as we're walking around at the start, he says, sit at number three there. He said, yeah. He said, steer clear of it. It's mad. And he said, it'll stand on its head on the first turn and go down. Nothing sure. All right. Thanks for that, number three. So away we go. So I stay up. I was up the track a little bit on the second one. I get to the first corner. I'm out wide. And I go past the window post. And I hear crash, bang. And I just know that sort of beside me and behind me a little bit there's been a fall so that's alright so I'm out wide my loop around them and I'm coming around and we're coming down to complete a lap which Yarra Glen was just two laps for the two year olds and we were coming down with a lap to go and as I come into the straight I've worked around to the front so I'm sitting at the front there coming into the straight and I look down here's the ambulance parked at the winning post and there's a couple of horses on the track and as I go past the winning post I look over the inside rail here's Gavin sitting on the ground on the inside holding his arm so anyway, race is over and I pull up and what had happened was that uh, the horse had fell like he said and exactly worth the first corner and only thing was that Gavin was the first one to go over the top of it and which he, by the way, he told me he was unlucky how, he, how, he, how it happened and he got flipped over the rail and broke his, uh, broke his arm. So I said to him, I said, good advice, just should have followed it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Andrew, we could spend all morning... Um talking to you about Gavin Lane, but we do really appreciate you coming on, mate, and um, when all of this coronavirus is, is over, um, I think we all should get together and have a couple of beers. Uh, we appreciate your time, Andrew, and thanks for coming on. No worries, Lauren. That's a good idea. Thank you. Yep. There's Andrew Peace. Great one man. Of the of the yeah, sport. one of the absolute greats of the sport, um, and giving us uh, an insight Mick you probably knew about, but so many others didn't. 
Yeah, and that's an example of him knowing the opposition, driver and horse. Yeah. And in that case, he didn't listen to his own advice, and that's the reason why he got injured. It's 11 minutes to 11 o'clock here on this very special RSN uh, Central Edition, a special for the great Gavin Lang. And we're now joined by his brother, Chris Lang. Good morning to you, Chris. Thanks for joining us, mate. Uh, good morning, guys. Good to be here. What was it like growing up with Gavin? Well, um, I suppose we, we were just average boys, you know, got into um, as much strife, you know, obviously as, we, as he got older, he, he kept getting into strife. But, you know, as, as younger, we um, boys, probably one of the things that the family remembers most was a fire in a haystack one day and we couldn't work out whether it was Gavin or me that... Um, started the fire so we both got into trouble so we sort of still laugh about that and things like that you know and of course we grew up on the trotting track and I've been listening to you guys talk about you know how much Gavin knows about the opposition um well I know when we were growing up going to the, the showgrounds on a Saturday night when we were very young Gavin used to watch every race you know myself and a few of the other lads there that were sort of my age one, we'd be walking around the back pavilions running from the security guards having a smoke trying to, you know, find out a bit of fun because we thought the racing was boring. Then on the way home uh, Gavin and GA, they'd be talking about the races and Gavin would be saying, oh you know, this horse went like this and that one went like that. And I think there was a time when, he, when uh, Gavin said to GA, I think if you'd have sat a bit longer or taken off a bit earlier or if you'd let that one go, it might have been better, you know. So he, he was on it from a very young age, so it was just absolute gift for him and he was a very nat- natural at it. Both of you were very competitive. Um, to a large extent in your careers, you, you know, you went your own ways and, and you made your own marks. But when push came to shove and you discovered a trotter who you thought could be as good as any you've ever had, the first person you turned to to help with the journey was Gav, Sky Valley. That, that's right, Adam. Um, that was, you know, I think around 2008. And, um, you know, I, I sort of moved up the bush a bit to run my own race. And um, uh, I was starting to, I don't know, I suppose, looking for someone that matched the best trotter that I thought was going to be on the horizon, you know. And, uh, of course, I, I turned to Gavin, you know, and... Uh, as history will show, you know, he looked after him in the lead-up to the Breeders' Crown and then in the three-year-old Breeders' Crown, he, he won by, you know, 15, 20 metres in the new oscillation record and sort of vindicated our judgment. And even that day, Gavin, I think, went on and drove three Breeders' Crown winners on that day. So, so hey, yeah, no, Chris, we no might... Doubt, no doubt in my yeah, mind sorry, he was um, the best driver and he, he suited my horses, but it wasn't always that easy get him on because he had he was in so much demand we might we might relive that moment in 2008 at bendigo when gavin kicked home sky valley for yourself Sky Valley hooks out, giving chase. Lord of the Gym by 10. Sky Valley has it in its sights, though. Danny Boucher struggling now. Then I didn't do it, who lock wheels with Elder Baron Maori. Turning for Heyman. Sky Valley loomed up to Lord of the Gym, and then I didn't do it. Sky Valley goes clear with 100 to go. It draws away now, and Sky Valley's going on to score in a very fast run. Trotter's three-year-old Group 1 final. It's Sky Valley by 15. Second Elder Did he put his hand out for the sleeve? after that Chris well (laughs) 
He pro- he, I don't <laughs> think he had time Christ, he had so many, many more drives to do. So I probably still owe it to him, but uh, I'll, I'll give it to Megan or something, maybe. But, um, but no, it was a great day. He was very patient as he's very and um, which obviously made it in the end for the horse. Chris, you touched on it, just his ability to look after the horse. He used to say to me all the time, you don't get paid extra for the margin you win by. He always no, kept that, something in the locker. No, that's true. And, uh, I mean, you know, as I was training in lots and lots of trotters, I always liked to, to see them driven like that, you know. So, um, and he was perfect at that. He always knew... When, when he could go, when he shouldn't go, and he always knew the horse's ability. A lot of times, you know, he would get close and not touch a horse. But he always knew whether he could get there or not quite, you know. And he was probably very renowned for um, winning by the slenderest of margins and not moving, you know, such was his ability to, to pick the opposition as well as his own horse. Chris, thanks for coming on and, and, and send our love to your mum and dad as well, um, Dot and Graham, and um, we appreciate you telling your stories about your brother. We're going to miss you, mate. Thank, thank you very much, guys. And, and I just want to say that, you know, I've had that many messages on folks and, you know, good wishes, guys, ringing that he drove a winner for 30 years ago, you know, and, and, and I try to get back to everyone, but... I do pass those wishes on and we appreciate, you know, what, what the industry is doing for Gavin in his memory. You know, Megan, his wife, has done a fantastic job through the ordeal. His children, Daniel and Courtney, you know, it's very difficult and it's a tough time for the family on a couple of fronts. But we do appreciate um, all the support and uh, the way the industry has got being on this week. We thank you very much. Good yeah, on you, Chris. well, that, well said, Chris. Um, and Chris is right, isn't he? Because um, you know, tributes like this become so important with the restrictions we have. Gavin's closest friends will get together when time permits, and and they'll they'll celebrate his life. But at the moment, this is this is everyone's way of sharing his memory, isn't it? It's a great point, Adam. Because I think over time we take it for granted how big he was yeah. and you mentioned it earlier how iconic he was within the industry and when you look back and you say the 70s, 80s, 90s how quick it's gone and we're in the 2020 yeah. period now but in that period he was a rock star Yeah. and the reason why the industry of harness racing is so great those little tracks at Wedderburno and Sonata they were the hub of a community just yeah. like a footy club and when Gavin Lang went there and drive four winners the pensioners would back yeah. you back him they would never forget that. No. That's why he was so invited into their homes and into his heart, really. And Mick, someone else who grew up with him on those tracks as a competitor and friend at the time, and 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 in all honesty, probably was closer to him in the last ten years than ever was Johnny Keldo, wasn't it? Yeah, good bloke, Johnny. And he joins us now. Good morning, John. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, you spent a lot of time in the car with Gavin. Yeah, I did. Look, um, especially as, as the, the later years, we, um, um, you know, like I, um, he was good mates with my brother Peter, and um, and then when I was in Echuca, I think we always said we were. He always looking back, I guess he always put me under his wing. I think you know he always um, gave me advice and did little things. And then when I moved down from Echuca to Melton, 
he was he was the guy who helped me out. Um, he sort of I didn't know getting to the tracks, what to do, where to go, um, but um, but he did, and then we end up travelling most most meetings together in the end, and um, yeah, for the last year, good, the last good 10, 10 years, we um, yeah we we're pretty close and we we're very close, and um, yeah, so so so. Johnny, if there was one bit of advice that you, he can, you can remember he gave you, what was that? Um, I would think he, he always he was he was a guy who never ever said said very much, but when he did say, he always listened. Um, and there was always little things. It was just 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 things that um, uh, you know, just be patient. You know, um, especially when the good races came along, just. Follow the good drivers. Just, just do what you think's best. Um, and then in the later years, when I was, I was always when I drive horses for him, and, and he couldn't. He's always said, just do your best. You know what you're doing. And um, yeah, I took it on board, and and uh, you know, like, yeah, I really appreciate it. John, I think, um, and you would understand this better than anyone to be able to talk us through it. He he had without doubt mellowed in the last decade, hadn't he? He he. He changed a little bit. He got more perspective in life. Now, Megan was a really big part of that. but And he'd also developed a, a love for that Harley Davidson of his, which I've seen some cracking photos go up on social media. But he, I think he, he discovered more outside of harness racing in the last decade than ever before, John. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, Megan, Megan had a, a big bearing on that. She was, she just a, she's a lovely girl. She's great. She's great for him. Um, Marie and Megan are real close. We all, we end, we're always going out together in the end. And um, yeah, the Harley, the Harley Davidson, I always thought it was a midlife, midlife crisis when he used to get on that. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> he'd drive, he'd drive around home in his, in his one, a couple of times I, I thought it was a helicopter lobbing and it was, it was gal on the bike. And um, he'd call and have a beer and then get rolling again. So <laughs> yeah, that was, was funny days. Hey Johnny, what was his favourite music? Well, he thought he 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 thought he, he, he just loved everything. Um, it was pretty funny because I'm I'm a Kylie I'm a, I'm a Kylie Minogue fan, and um, and uh, yeah, when we used to go and whoever used to drive, well, they would pick the music. But Gav was pretty he was pretty choosy on he'd listen to anything. But when I got all I did was listen to Kylie. So <laughs> I I used to get a head shake. It was pretty funny, but in the end, um, we ended up going to a concert. And, um, and, he, and he really loved it. He enjoyed it. Hey, um, what are you going to miss about him most, John? Um, I'm certainly going to miss our trips. No doubt about that. Um, we always, we at least two or three uh, meetings a week, we'd go together. Um, we'd always stop, stop the closest bakery. We'd always get have our brekkie or lunch. On the way home, he gave me where the closest pub was and we'd grab a couple of beers and, and we'd talk about... Not, not horses in general, we just talk about life and I'm really going to miss that um, you know, because yeah, we spent a lot, a lot of time together in the car John, give our love to Marie as well, yeah. uh, we know we know what a, you know a big a big hole this is going to leave for Marie as well Yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's, it's a very sad time and um, yeah, Marie's um, yeah, she loved him as much as anyone else and yeah, so so sad Good on you Johnny, thanks for that mate there's John Caldo, one of his great mates, but also a, a, a big competitor of um, competitor of Gavin's on the track. And the and next man that is yeah. about to join us had a wonderful association with Gavin. He competed against him, but he drove a lot for 
our next guest. I speak of champion trainer David Aiken, and he joins us now for this Gavin Lang special on RSN Central. Good morning to you, David. Thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, thanks, Gareth. Thank you. Aiken, uh, we've already heard some terrific stories and probably most of them untold uh, uh, in this particular forum, but you guys became um, great mates through those uh, through the Sydney days when you were up there, and it obviously blossomed again when you moved down to Victoria. Yeah, you know... Um... You know, I, I sort of knew Gav, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, wasn't really close to him. And then um, I took uh, Toby Dwayne down for the 85 Inter and um, I took a travelling companion and I, I went to Terang on the Wednesday before the heats and um, I won a heat of the three old fillies uh, for the size and that. Got two weeks suspension and had to come up with a driver for the, the Inter and uh, for the heats and... Um, you know, he was the first one I called on, and and then that, um, you know, from just now, you know, just you know, we, you know, we, we were sort of weren't real good mates then, but um, since then, it's just sort of we had a connection, and um, you know, we've uh, same age, and you know, we've uh, you know, we've had overseas trips together, and and um, you know, he's been a big, you know, if ever I need a, a driver or you know, or a horse to. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a, a mare last year that, you know, was a bit hard to drive and I put Gav on her by the end of the season. Uh, she didn't, didn't win that many, but this year she's um, come to fruition through Gavin. We needed soft hands with her and she's won four races this season and that's the, you know, that's the horsemanship that's come out. Um, you know, he's uh, so gifted. Aki loved his trips up to Sydney because it was his chance to get off the treadmill of normality back home. Yeah, he loved he loved he loved getting up to Sydney, and we've got a mutual friend Paul Russo, and Paul used to pick him up from the airport, and um, you know, and a lot of people, if they didn't know Gav personally, sort of a little bit standoffish because you know he he is a quiet personality, but uh, Paul had um, you know they rip each other, and and uh, they were they were a great pet, you know they were two opposites, and they were um, you know Paul's still a bachelor, and he's had a hundred girlfriends in his lifetime, and Gav used to. You know, um, always interested in his love affairs, and um, used to tease him a bit. And, and Paul used to give it back to Gavin. You know, and, uh, but uh, you know, you know, we had we had great times together. Aki, you could probably appreciate this as a prominent horse trainer. I spoke to Paul Hawke yesterday about Gavin. We had horses with Gavin, and we'd often watch a race together. And sometimes a, a horse would win by twenty metres, but the whip would be certainly on the back of the horse's rump and we G Gavin up know how, knowing how compassionate he was for the horse and we just get that shake of the head as if to say why would that driver drive it that way to the finishing line when the name the number was already in the frame as a trainer did you appreciate his horsemanship well that that that's why you you know as I said that to me last year he needed he needed that horsemanship he needed, needed soft hands you know and um, you know it, it was from the very first uh, opening ball with me with Toby Dwayne, um, I think we ran two seconds and a third in the heat, or maybe two thirds in a second. And he what wasn't one of the, um, you know, he wasn't one of the big horses in that series. But he he got that, he nursed that horse through the series, and, and we and I had a nice, a really good horse for the final. We ran a really good fifth, and um, and he, you know, and and I'd, I'd be sitting in the stand thinking, come on, Gaz, 
take that time to take, you know, and he was so patient. And as I said, look after the horse. And he, um, you know, we've all talked about his um, driving ability, but an outstanding trainer. You know, and that, yeah. that stems from, um, that, you know, Chris and, and Gavin, you know, it probably stems from the great education ahead of the grown. And I think it, it, it speaks highly of you now, Aki, that Gavin left you with a few of his horses when he was sick, and there's a horse that I think that means a lot to Gavin Surletic that's not far away from racing, so we will be watching him with, with plenty of interest over the next couple of months. Yeah, no, that, um, that was a great compliment, and, um, you know, we, we've, uh, we've raced a few, and we've uh, we moved a couple on, um, to America for him, but Surletic was the horse he, he wanted to um, to work if, if he was well enough to, and... Um, so he trialled good. He beat San Carl at the trial at Shep on Thursday. Um, very excited to um, um, to race him and hopefully the racing Gab's colours. And um, just um, just a pity he uh, you know he, he, he kept a, a, a keen interest on the horses I had here for him. Um, and just uh, hope uh, that horse sort of carries on and we'll see those colours go around. Hey, Aki, thanks for joining us for the Gavin Lang special here on RSN Central, mate. And we'll catch up down the track and, and relive more of uh, the, the Gavin memories. But we thank you for coming on the, this morning's yeah. show. Yeah, thanks, thanks, boys. Thank you. Bye. There's the champion trainer, David Aiken. This is the Gavin Lang special here on RSN Central. You're with Gareth Hall, Adam Hamilton and Mick McGuan. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with plenty more straight after this. It's great to be with you for this special RSN Central this morning. It's the Gavin Lang special. We lost Gavin on Friday. He was a legend of the sport, the greatest driver of all time. And uh, you're with Gareth Hall, Adam Hamilton, and also Mick McGuan. Boys, I want to play you a grab that I found when I was going through the archives of the Gavin Lang stories that we've done over the years of um, Graham Lang, his legendary father. And this is what Graham had to say about Gavin a few years back. He was always destined to be a horse driver. He would go to the trots and sit in the old showgrounds there in the driver's stand. And on the way home, he could tell you what every driver and every horse did in the run. And, you know, there was 20 horses in some of the races. But that was what he did. And and that's what he... He just was dedicated to it all his life. That's what he wanted to do. So he hailed from a famous harness racing family. But as Daddy Lane just pointed out there... He was always going to be the driver that he was. Yeah, Chris Lang sent me this amazing photo. I know we're on radio, but I'll put it up on on social media later on of of Gavin and Chris sitting in the sulkies with uh, with Graham holding the two horses. Apparently it was front page of the Sporting Globe Wow! um, back in the day. So we'll put that up on social media later. Thanks for Chris Lang sending that through. I reckon Chris Lang looks as though he's about... Eight, and maybe Gavin's about six or seven yeah. or something like that. I'm still Incredible. Look, I'm still looking forward to our next guest. It's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Peter Tonkin will be joining us. Paul Russo, his great mate from Sydney, Sydney will also join us. Tommy Hogan. Geez, they've had a wonderful relationship over so many years. Looking oh. forward to some punting stories. A there. lot of fill-ups here from yeah. Paratons. This is where you come right into your element, Mick. Uh, David Thompson, Michael Stanley, who worked for Gavin as a young trainer driver coming up and looking forward to catching up with Mick. Anthony Butt, that's been a wonderful friend to Gavin, but a big competitor on the track as well. And Crandall Getty, that used to travel and stay, of course, with, with Tease Gavin. that story for us, will you? About Tease the story about how 
the desperate, the desperate comment story. Um, I think just point it this way. I think that the, the, the transport driver at the time might have got a little mixed up with G.A. Lang and G. Lang. And I don't know if Gavin yeah. was too happy after. Well, he wouldn't be. <laughs> no. Um, so Went to the wrong property. Wrong property. <laughs> Peter, Donkin, Peter Tonkin to join us next year on RSN Central as we pay tribute to the great Gavin Lang. It's war run on the turn. It is I and Robin Hood. It is I led by a meter to Robin Hood. It is I, just in front of Robin Hood, that dashed away from the others in a stirring duel. It is I, Robin Hood. They're locked together. They'll hit it for the line. Robin Hood. Robin Hood and those two, it is I. What a great race. That was one of the very best Melton plates that we've ever seen. Robin Hood, Peter Tonkin and G Lang taking on it as I, trained and driven by David Murphy and the trainer of Robin Hood and a great friend of Gavin Lang, Peter Tonka, now joins us. Pete, good morning to you. Good morning, boys. Hey, that, that race meant a lot to Gavin. Yeah, it did. We we're, we're, were pretty confident um, going into that race and uh, I think he bought it at the Calcutta the night before we were discussing, you know, about buying it at the Calcutta, but he made Robin Hood. He just... Uh, you know, like he's made a lot of horses, but, you know, what can I say? But it's, you know, I can't say much more than what everyone else has said. But we had a great, great friendship, you know, great, you know, it's all in trouble to think he's gone, you know. What made the relationship so great, Pete? Um, we were just good friends, Nick, I'm sorry. No, it was just... Uh, tough, mate. No, it's, you know, good mates. You, know, don't you trusted each other, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, if you want to do... Uh, you know, if you had a horse and the money was on, you know, better than, you know, ring him up and say, listen, I've got one for you. You'd be the first one there. So... Hey, hey. Hey, Pete, I heard Clayton Tonkin, it was great vision there on Trot's Vision on Saturday night, especially the younger generation paying tribute to, to Gavin Lang, and he was everybody's hero, basically. But your son Clayton had a lot to do with him. He worked for, for Gavin the early part of his career as well. And, and Clayton was telling the story that every time you would walk out to the property, property and see a really nice two-year-old, um, you would say, well, that'll suit Gavin. Yeah, he, he always called me the Lang lover. What will you miss most, Pete? What's that, uh, Adam? What will you miss the most? Oh, I miss his friendship, ringing him up. You know, Megan, lovely person. Never, you couldn't get a better nice person, Megan. Um, you know, his friendship, you know, just everything. You know, wanting him to drive our horses. Um, you know, the chats we had together over the years, not just about horses, but about anything. I miss all that. Yeah. Pete, when you were involved in a big race and Gavin either won or lost, the feedback that he often gave you, can you just give us an insight into, one, what was said, how it was said, and what you did as a horse trainer to rectify the advice that Gavin may have gave you to improve the horse? Well, he might... Um, you know, he might say, oh, it might be a bit long, you know, we should pull him up a hole or two in the hobbles. But, uh, 
I never, I always listened to him, and he, he was a great, you know, great, great man to listen to. But I, I was just getting off that. Whenever he drove for me, I never, ever, once thought he had to drive a horse, ever. You know, I'd, he, he knew. I didn't have to tell him. You know, he just, I'd just say, oh, this, this will win, and, you know, just left everything up to him, but he, he was a genius. Hey, we're going to miss him. Pete, and I know you will. We, we appreciate you and, and thank you for coming on, mate, and sharing some stories with us. Thanks very much, guys. There's Peter Tonkin. Boy, you had a wonderful association with Pete. Some great horses. Oh, yes. Yeah. We've, got the, we've got the mate and yeah. AKA the chauffeur coming yeah. up next. The man from Sydney that looked after Gavin like um, they were brothers. I speak of Paul Russo and he joins us now. Paul, thanks for coming on, mate. How are you, guys? Good, thanks. How did you get to know Gavin? Uh, uh, Gareth, I got to meet him um, at, at Sydney Airport. Actually, it's the first time I met him. Um, we're going over to the Brown Jug. I was going with David Aiken, and he was going with uh, Andrew Peace. So a couple of big names. And uh, David said, why don't you come along? And, and I did, and I got to meet uh, Gavin. And um, we, had, we had an amazing two weeks um, over there in America, and uh, we become best of friends from, from, from that day on. You know, There wasn't a time that he would wouldn't come up here that I'd uh, I'd take him here and take him there and he'd stay at my place and um, the friendship was just unbelievable, unbelievable guy you know what I mean uh, Paul it's so true, um, Adam Hamilton here and I, you know so many of those big races that Gavin went to Sydney for I was up there you know in the media capacity as well and you guys were inseparable in uh, whenever he was in Sydney Yeah mate, he was you know and it was just—it wasn't an effort to go get him or any. It was just a pleasure to go pick him up, and uh, you know, because he talked about this and we talk about that, and all, all wasn't horses, but you know, a lot of times it was, and it, it was just, you know. And then, then we start to go away a lot. It's just great times, you know. It was just, you know, it was like a, a true mate, you know, even out of the sport, even though we're both in the sport in, in, in a certain way, you know. Where I was, but uh, he was the man. Paul, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about some of the great punting stories, mate. Can you relive any of them? Oh, there was, there was a few. Don't worry. There was a few, you know, and a uh, few good ones and a few bad ones. But, oh, I mean, one day when we're having a drink, I can really get into those. But uh, <laughs> over there, but we we had some really good times. But I'll tell you, <laughs> every now and then, it went pear-shaped. Hey, hey, Paul, tell us about the story. Like, obviously, you did a lot of travelling with him. And I remember yeah. you telling me this yarn about when you went on one of those rides at those parks. Can you explain oh. what happened there? We, we, we went to movie. Well, we, we went up to uh, Queensland for a week and we stayed at Tom and Sue Hogan's. And uh, Tom was a good friend of his. And we, he said, we've got to plan the week what we're going to do. And this, uh, we, we, we planned one day to go to movie world. Well, you know, we walked around for about half an hour and they had that big new ride that Mickey Mouse, one of those real big ones, he said, oh, I'm not going on that. I said, no worries, yeah, I'm not real keen on a movie, you know. And we walked around, all these young kids were on this little ride, looked like it goes into a cave. And that. He said, that'll be okay, you know. I said, all right, so we get on it. Well, it went up this hill and it went down and around. You couldn't see. Well, I looked at him. He, he, he was petrified. He was hanging on. We, we pulled the, all the kids, little kids in front were laughing and carrying on. I looked at We pulled up. He was white. I said, yeah, what's wrong? <laughs> He said, oh, oh, mate, he said, I said, you, you drive 500 kilo horses through an inch old gap and, and you're worried about a ride like that? He said, oh, it's different, that's different. And then uh, 
were straight to the bar after that, and that was the end of the movie world, I'll tell you. We, we were both pretty shaken up, but uh, I couldn't believe it. He was petrified, like, you know, this, this ride. But, um, yeah, so, but, uh, no, that was, uh, yeah. He, uh, we, we loved the casinos. We liked, used to go to the casinos. Not that he was a big gambler or anything, but we, he loved the roulette. He had a passion for roulette. He loved it. Yeah. Loved it with a, with a passion, mate. What was his uh, number? Oh, uh, well, one night we were there and we were talking, we were having a few drinks and that, and uh, and then come up, number 18, and the, and the concierge said, is this money on 18? And, and he popped up, and he popped up, he said, looked at him with that grin he gives, he said, that's, that's mine, of course that's mine. He said, that's his birthday, he said to the bloke. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's mine, number 18. So, yeah, he, he, he was... Uh, Always, uh, we I always remind him, you know, the eight, of course it's yours, you know, that's your birthday. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, we're going to miss him, Paul. We thank you for coming on, mate. And um, what will yeah. you miss? Just the last one before we let you go. What will you miss um, uh, about Gavin the most? Uh, I'll, I'll miss the travels and the times like going to New Zealand and all those times. I'll miss all, you know, immensely because he was always up for something to do, something to go somewhere and. Um, yeah, and I mean, we talk, used to talk like once a week, and you know, it's just going to be, you know, uh, it'll be irreplaceable, you know, really. So, and, and and a champion on the track and off the track, and um, mate, I'll, I'll tell you now, like, you know, he never once said, you know, why is it, why me, why is it me, you know, you know, he said that's the cards yeah. I got dealt with, you know, just a champion on and off the track, mate. I'm telling you, very yeah. sad. Good on your Paul. Can I just pass on as well? I know we've got Hillsville coming up, but um, it, look, it's impossible to cover all of the people you know that we'd like to and are probably deserved of having a, a voice on this show. But just want to refer to a few journos who Mick would know really well that have certainly reached out to me and social media. Guys like Danny Power, yeah. Adrian Dunn was Adrian really, Dunn really close, close to, yep. to Gav. Now, th this is, you know, like a lot of other people, this has really hit AD pretty hard. Um, and Danny Power saying, you know, he waited 24 hours before sort of putting his, his thoughts as well. Uh, I mean, these were journos who worked alongside of Gavin. Now, that's a pretty big impact when you consider, you know, all of the the stars and great people that they would have worked alongside and written about in their careers. I just want to read out a post from Stephen Cleave who put, who was putting together Gavin's fundraising night a couple of weeks ago, nearly a month ago. Unfortunately, COVID stopped it. Um, and this is what Stephen posted on Facebook. Everyone has a Gav story. This is mine. It's not about him winning a race for me or driving for me in big races. My Gav story is a bit more personal. Way, way back in 95, I lost my parents in a car accident. They were on their way to Mooney Valley to watch me drive in the Young Drivers Championship when it happened. I told the stewards what had happened the night before and I asked for their permission. Um, and I'll continue on this story. Just a, uh, And it basically goes on and, and Gavin was the man that gave him a hug and, and um, looked after him that night. And, and he, he did that to a lot of people. He was such a special man on and off the track. Welcome back to RSN Central, a very special RSN Central as we pay tribute to Gavin Lang this morning. I'll finish off this Stephen Cleave Facebook message that he put in. It um, brought a tear to my eye when I actually read it. Everyone has a Gav story. This is mine. It's not about him winning a race for me or driving for me in big races. My Gav story is a bit more personal. Way, way back in 1995, I lost my parents in a car accident. 
They were on their way to Mooney Valley to watch me drive in the Young Drivers' Championships when it happened. I told the stewards what had happened the night before and I asked for permission to still be allowed to drive in the race, which they did allow. The stewards during the night told some of the leading drivers what had happened so they could look out for me. Gavin came up to me in the driver's room and when I was getting ready for the race, he didn't say a word. He just put his hand on my shoulder, pulled me in for a bit of a hug and gave it a squeeze and a little shake and smiled at me with an it'll be okay look and then walked on. This was just a small gesture that has stuck with me ever since me. And I thought that was lovely. Well, it's a great way of communicating. Yeah. Mm. You don't have to actually talk to somebody to say, I'm in your corner or I've got your back. It's just a wink or a nod or a touch or a tap on the bum. So and, and you'd know that better than anything going on the footy field as yeah, well, Yeah, absolutely. You? And we have that type of messaging as a way of just sending you that you care or you love or yeah. whatever affection you want to call it. But it's a great way of expressing that you can communicate with your heart with actually outspeaking, with, without speaking. This is a Gavilang special here on RSN Central. You're with Gareth Hall, Adam Hamilton and Mick McGuire. And we're now joined by one of his great mates who, who's got a couple of stories to tell, I think, Tom Hogan. <laughs> Tom, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Gareth, Adam and Mickey. Uh, how are you? G'day, Tommy. Yeah, good, good mate. Tom. Um, this, this show would not be complete without you being part of it, that's for sure. Uh, you've lost your great mate, haven't you? And your, your, your sidekick for so long. Yeah, yeah, there's um, a, a great lot of stories and they've been, uh, I've been listening this morning. Uh, you know, it, it's been just unbelievable, the, the stories and, and how true they are and, uh, and a lot of those things I wanted to repeat. But anyhow, um, Gavin uh, took me on a great ride Um over the years, I'm saying like he got me, uh, I had a horse called Persistency with him and uh, he got me to the final of the Inter-Dominion in Albion Park about, I don't know, 2003. He won a Kilmore Cup for me. Tasmanian Pace and Chip, 150,000. The Sunshine Sprint, the El Dorado. Um, even with horses that he drove, like Ristrepo, uh, Hunter Cup, he got two Victoria Cups, the Chariot Safari ran third in. Ran in a miracle mile, the Victoria Derby, won the Ballarat Cup, beaten Caribbean Blaster, the Melton Plate, the Coca-Cola Cup, the Cranbourne Cup, four-year-old Bonanza, Store Cup, the Hamilton Cup and the Naya Cup. And as an owner, that's pretty good, I reckon. Just, I want to talk about, uh, it's amazing, I want to talk about persistency because uh, I think on every measure that Kilmore Cup was probably one of the proudest and most emotional moments that Gav had with persistency because he was a horse he bought for about 15 grand. At three, he looked like he was going to be the next big thing in the sport. He broke down time and time again. Mick, you know, we probably never thought we'd get him back to the races and Tom Newpart owned him, but we talk so much about Gav being a great driver, but this was training and horsemanship with persistency, wasn't it? Uh, he, he, he was, he well, was Tom, a tremendous tra- Go on. Somebody, oh, yeah. I was just going to no, say, Tom, just... I reckon, I reckon when safe and sound, I reckon drew barrier one or two in the sires, and Percy drew barrier twelve. Is that right by memory? Yeah, I, I, and I think I, I on the think Wednesday I, I spoken to Gavin. Yeah. I spoke to Gavin on the Wednesday. I reckon it was when the barrier draw come out. I said, "Gee, it's going to make it hard now." He said, no, it won't. He said, just better the odds. <laughs> yeah. He was that confident about knowing what horse he had 
And let's face it, Safe and Sam was a star. Mm. Yes, oh, uh, Barry won no Barry two, that, I think it drew, and Percy drew 12, and he looped around to the death and just brained it. Yeah, but unbelievable win that night. Uh, I, I just walked away uh, after watching the race and shaking my head. Uh, what, what a horse. He, he, he had a, a lot of problems with his feet um, and, and, and was un, ended up being like a four- and five-year-old. Started to get a bit unsound, but uh, he, he was probably one of, one of my best horses. Uh, especially, he was the best horse that I ever raced with, Gavin. Um, he, he was a superstar. How, how great was that Kilmore Cup? What, what, did, what did it mean to you all to win that Kilmore Cup? I might say, I think he was nine years old at the time, Persistency. Well, he had a few comebacks and uh, expertly driven again. Uh, was pretty confident. I, I think he was a bit of value at that time. I, I didn't back him because, I, you know, he was nine-year-old. Um, but back then, it was a good money in the Kilmore Cup. Uh, it was a $100,000 race from memory. Um, but he was... Uh, and I heard David Aiken say this, and you don't get this off people... Uh, too easily. He was a, a great trainer. Like he, he was never, uh, he was never always. You get people that are given uh, breeders and all that, giving uh, trainers yearlings and all this sort of stuff. Gavin just had a small team, around twenty, twenty-five horses all the time, and uh, he, he was a tremendous trainer. Tremendous trainer. Tommy, uh, can you proved that story? recently. He came, he came back after uh, uh, he had his horses there with Clayton. And, he came back, and uh, for that 12, 18 months, his horses were on fire, including Hector JJ as well, before he broke down. Hey, Tom, can you tell us a story about a day that you had a punt at Horsham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a good one, this. Um, <laughs> I had a horse called Okavenga. Uh, we bought him pretty cheap, and I said to him, uh, after two or three weeks, he said, I said to him, where's this horse going? He said, I like him a lot. I really like him a lot. I said, well, don't trial him, because get a bit of price about him and he said I'm going to set him for a race at Horsham so okay alright so set him for Horsham and now uh, I backed him very heavily I put my quaddies on early and I said to him I am not going to, I wanted the pools to build up I'm not going to back him on the tote because in those days only a couple of bookies at Horsham I said I'm not going to back him to ride on the death knock in the last 30 seconds on the 2AB so the people won't be able to follow the money, and you get the Sky Channel bloke saying this has been a big go, you know, four dollars sixty into three twenty, and all this sort of stuff. He said, "Okay, leave it with me." So I put me quaddies on. Still haven't backed the horse. So they go out onto the track. Next thing, the Sky Channel bloke says, "There's a delay at Horsham." He said, "Ockervango's just left the track." Oh, I said, "No, it can't be. Something's happened here." I've got my quaddies on. I'm going to. I'll put two grand into the quaddy. I'm going to get left here with the substitute. So anyhow, five or six minutes later, as I said, yeah, Ockervengo's back on the track. It had a replacement of the cart, and the horse had been hitting the cart. So after the race, uh, when Gavin went, took the horse back, Mark Shelley was the strapper. They give him a spray, but I'm still not sure up until today. But uh, that, that if that was right, um, he, he made the delay, and we were able to get the, the pool, uh, which helped the harness racing industry. The pool nearly doubled; it was holding about forty-five thousand, and the pool grew to eighty thousand. I was able to have a good bet on it on the Melbourne tote. I was able to have a good bet on the Sydney tote, and also the Queensland tote. I still hadn't put the money on. Five minutes after the race shouldn't have been run, and. Um, 
they all got a good bone, and uh, it was, it, I, I won <laughs> nearly 50000 on that race on a Tuesday afternoon. That's amazing. I remember when we went up to celebrate your 40th birthday, Tom, and I reckon it was around the time, and I'll, correct me if I'm wrong, I reckon it was a Tontine series, and I think the horse was Nunky, and I was privileged to sit with you watching the race. You were extremely confident. I know Gavin ex- was extremely confident. But one thing I learnt that day, how you both thought. You watched the race, and you more or less said, on cue, Gav, you've got to go. And there goes yeah. Gavin three wide. It was amazing how you fed off each other. Yeah, no, look, he, he, his, uh, his knowledge of form was, was second to none. As good as any professional punter in the game, uh, including myself, Danny Revel, Billy Glover, he would, if he wanted to become a punter, he would have been good or better than us. He was an absolute genius. He was a, and when the combination come up that he liked it a lot, I liked it a lot, we would put the, I would put the limit on it. Because he 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 would he would say I don't think this will get beat, and I say I'm the same opinion, and uh, we bought off many plunges. You know I don't like to talk about what type of money and all that, but uh, we did shake the rings, Gavin and I. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Gee, but not I'm only quite not only with Victoria, uh, the Adelaide book he's got a bit of a flogging, and also the Herald Park bookmaker sometimes <laughs> when we want when I wanted to bet masses. I think it's a great way to leave it, Tom. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I'll never forget that line. We certainly did shake the ring. Yeah. Good <laughs> on you, Tommy. Thanks for that, mate. Good on you, mate. There's a, See you, Tom. The great Tommy Hogan, a professional punter for so long in the sport of harness racing and obviously had a wonderful association with Gavin Lang. Well, I, think, I think the next guy who, yeah. and this again typifies Gav, next guest comes all the way from WA, grew up in Port Perry, um, um, David Thompson, trainer over there, but I think he's got a story that relates to, you know, the punt to some extent as well about a horse that ended up in his stable. Good morning to you, David. Yeah, wow, fancy having to follow Tom. Hey, how can I compete with that? <laughs> um, unbelievable what was that, stuff. What was that story, Tomo, that Adam's talking about? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I just sit there going through your mind all the time. Um, can I just tell a story going away from the actual racing side of it? Uh, as yeah. I say, I was from Port Perry and um, we organised a, uh, you know, a Sportsman's Day. Guest speakers, Gavin and Mick. So, right, I've got to go to Adelaide to pick them up. Right? I've got to go to Adelaide to pick them up. So, we're coming out of Adelaide and we get, it's about 10 o'clock. And we got to a little place called Lock Hill. And I said, normally have a drink there, you know, when we're coming over from the trots or whatever. And you've got to remember, Mick was pretty thirsty then. Mick goes, can't break tradition, <laughs> mate. Can't break tradition. We've got to call Pull up. Yeah. Knocking on the door. We've got the cleaner service, service serving a beer to us. Mate, it ended up one of the biggest days. And I'm thinking to myself... How's Gav going? Because like, Mick was pretty good having a drink and I wasn't too bad. And How's he still going? Mick will verify this. We caught him throwing his in the pot plants. That was his way again. Absolutely. Categorically. <laughs> we were drinking the uh, them flaming Zambookas in the end, weren't we, Tomo? 
I, and I think you burnt fun. your nose I, hair, I your eyebrows, <laughs> your fringe got a new haircut. I, I hadn't had one before that, and Lang's going, come on, mate, you'll be right, you'll be right. So I go to drink it. Yeah. Oh, sing stormy nose hair, bloody eyebrows, and Lang <laughs> thought that was hilarious. He, um, we, I, yeah, we... I, I want you to tell this story about the, the horse that landed a plunge at Mildura and ended up in your stable basically free of charge. But I think Gareth's got a clearer yeah. a Heelsville race. Um, you think back on that one, Tomo. Yeah, it's it's yeah, time yeah, to go I'm public with that one. This is RSN Central's special tribute to Gavin Lang this morning. You're with Gareth Hall, Adam Hamilton and Mick McGuan and his great mate from the West, David Thompson's on the line. Um, Tomo, welcome back. Um, what was that story you're about to tell us? Uh, I was, I've sort of spoke to him for years and years and years and, you know, once a week or whatever. He says to me one day, hey, mate, I've got a horse here you should buy. I said, oh, yeah, no worries. He said, not yet, though. Save your money. All right. So he told me its name was Rickety Roo. And uh, so I'd ring him up next week. He goes, that horse is in. You think it can win? No, not yet. Not yet. Went about five weeks. Not yet. And then he rings me one morning and says, right, I'll no we'll back that horse tonight. And I went, because... I've had to <laughs> have more on it than I normally would ever have. And I've had a 1,000 on it. And, you know, I had about 180 in the bank, you know. But uh, it's my little win, mate. And we'll get set at, at evens. It was cup meeting and all the rest of it. And he could have what he wanted. It um, just absolutely bolted in. Even money. Bang. Just yeah. got the money. He was... And that horse was pretty un, unruly, I think when he got it and he just took his time and went about it and trained it up and geez, geez he could do a good job with us. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a nutshell you said uh... in a nutshell you said find me a horse. He found yeah. the horse. Yeah. Uh, you saved the money and he said get on and it'll pay for the horse. And it did, yeah. He uh <laughs> yeah. and and he made a nice little profit himself too, as as Gav did. <laughs> As he always yeah. did. As, as he always did, yeah. He was good. Hey, Tom, I miss him. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Uh, we could talk all day, mate, but we thank you for coming on the show. We do really appreciate it. Yeah. Hope it was all right. It's, uh, it's no, an you're, honor. you're sensational. Thank you, bye. There's David Thompson from the West. And Adam, you've got commitments now with Sky Racing, but thanks for joining us um, for this special tribute here on RSN Central. Um, um, about one of your great mates, Gavin Lane. We are going to miss him. Yeah, thanks for including us in it. Um, you know, so many people are, are doing it, you know, a lot harder than me, certainly at this time. And, and Mick, um, you're here as well. But uh, it's just been amazing to look back and hear from so many people who've been part of different chapters of Gavin Life along the way. So, uh, yep, um, as I said at the at the very start, um, a little piece of harness racing has, uh, has gone forever with Gavin. Thanks for that, mate. Um, we need to take a break. Mick Stanley, Anthony Butt, Crandell Ketty and the boss of harness racing, Victoria Dale Brown, still to join us. And a special statement to a powerful statement from Gavin's wife, um, Megan, just before we wrap up. Our special tribute to the great Gavin Lane. And you're also with Mick McGuan here as we pay tribute to Gavin Lang in this special RSN Central on this Monday morning. And Mick Stanley is a young trainer driver that's kicking plenty of goals at the moment. But he learnt his craft. Of course, he learnt from his old man Ian, but he worked for the great Gavin Lang in the early part of his career. And he joins us now. Good morning to you, Mick. Yeah, morning, guys. Morning, Mick. 
What did he teach you, Gavin? Oh, he taught me plenty, uh, Gareth. Obviously, uh, you know, idolising him and being able to spend plenty of time with him. Um, like many of people have said, he, he wasn't um, a man of a, a lot of words, but when he spoke, he listened and learned a lot by just watching him uh, go about his craft in a day-to-day basis. Nick, he was a pretty tough boss. Yeah, he was. He was, uh, Nick, but... Um, you know, that's, that's how you want it. You don't learn uh, anything if uh, someone runs up on you. And I love that point. I wouldn't say the thing. He's the best guy I've um, ever worked for. And, yeah, I can look back and be forever grateful that I had that opportunity. Mick, did you learn from him as a driver by watching him or listening to him? Bit of both, uh, obviously. But um, I was lucky enough, uh, you know, to spend a lot of time in the car with him and, and not so much talking before races but on the way home from the races you know going over he was always uh, great with me by going over my drives and teaching me uh, you know maybe what I should have done uh, at that time and, and that's so I probably learned more on the way home from the races than I did on the way talking about the races so um, yeah he, he was really great to me uh, in that regard. Tell us about Gavin's ability to map out a vision. He'd have a race in mind for a horse. Might be six weeks away, but he had that great ability to peak that horse on that day. Yeah, he did, Nick. I, I, like I said um, previously, he everyone uh, knows Gavin is the greatest driver and, and he is the greatest driver that we'll ever see. But, um, you know, for me, you know, Cara touched on it earlier, he, he's the greatest trainer I've worked for. He, his ability to, to cater for the individual horse and and map out that program, like you said, and have it ready to peak on the day was um, just uncanny. And, um, yeah, that's, that's probably the uh, biggest thing that um, I take away from my time with him. Hey, we're going to miss you, Mick. Thanks for coming on our show and sharing some of your memories about the great man Gavin Lane. No, thanks very much uh, for the time we chatted about him. And, um, yeah, I'll just um, send my deepest condolences to, to all Gavin's uh, family. Yeah, well said, mate. Anthony Butt now joins us. This man's had some great rivalries with Gavin on the track, but they were great mates off it as well. Good morning, Anthony. Yeah, good morning, Gareth. Hey, what was he like, Ants, to you? Oh, he's, you know, he's like a god, wasn't he? Like, we were lucky enough to, um, you know, stay with him, with our horses for a lot of years with, you know, the Lowell Creeks and Take a Moments and Mr. Fielders, those sort of things. So we got to see the other side of him and... Um, you know, he was a great host. You'd do anything for you. You had the run of the place. You'd pick the, what yards you wanted, what paddocks you wanted, that kind of thing. So he was great on that side of things. But, you know, also I was a great competitor with him on the track. And, uh, you know, the last four or five years, I, I got to drive, you know, when I was in Melbourne, got to drive with him sort of day in and day out. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, as you said, he was the best of the best, wasn't he? And how do you reckon he would have been as a driver in New Zealand, considering how many runs a driver makes in a race? Oh, he would have fitted in anywhere in the world, Mac. He, um, you know, he, he, he was, you know, he's, he's as good as anyone in the world. You know, I've been all around the world and driven against, you know, the John Campbells, Brian Tears, those sort of guys, and um, there was no better than G Lang, in my mm. opinion. You know, he would have fitted in anywhere. Hey, Anson, sadly we're running out of time here, but do you have a, one story that you want to tell us before we let you go? Yeah, we spoke about it last night, Gareth. It was leisure in the steward's room, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it used to be so entertaining. We'd get in there and, uh, you know, he would uh, start talking and um, 15 minutes later he'd still be going. The, the stewards would be looking at me. I'd start laughing. The stewards, even the stewards would start laughing. And, um, they, you know, 
sometimes I had to hold up the next race because Gav was still going, you know, completely <laughs> off the subject. But uh, yeah. he had him baffled, and uh, it was, you know, so entertaining. I think that was by design, mate. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah, it definitely was, yeah. Hey, good on you, Ants. Thanks for that, mate. Good as go, boys. Cheers. There's, a, there's the great Anthony Button. Cran Delgetti, that had a wonderful association with Gavin as well, joins us from New Zealand. Hey, Cran, good morning to you. You want to tell us a story about um, when he sent you to Tasmania. Can you just relive that for us? Uh, well, actually, it was interesting. I had a little horse called London Pride. It was the first year in the Millions when they were being um, sponsored at a million dollars, and I was quite excited to get there. And um, having left the horse with them 10 days, and they said, I've got a beautiful place to stay over there, and um, you'll love it. And um, so I fly straight over there, and um, I get there, and the horse is there, and I meet up with these galloping people. And um, all I had was a riding saddle and, the, and a riding bridle. And I thought, this is going to be great. I'm getting ready for the Indodoms in 10 days' time. And I rang up Gav, and I said, what, what happened, mate? He says, mate, you'll be right. You'll be right. And I said, what do you mean? I can't even ride this horse. I can't do anything with him. And, that, and he said, you'll be right. Well, bugger me, days. We go through and uh, we train with all the thoroughbreds. We go way out in the, um, in the surf and we go side to side and we gallop lunge back and get him. And we try, ride through the, through the, uh, the forest and the wallabies over there. And um, he, he, he saw me the, the day before the first heat and says, everything okay, mate? Everything okay, I said. We're getting ready for a million dollar series. But he just laughed. Just laughed. It was the best the horse could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, just the way he is. Yeah. Just the way. But many a story I'd love to tell, but uh, I can't tell more on the radio, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to miss him as well, um, Cran? Yeah. Interesting, man. I, well, I first got to know him when his actually brother, um, Chris, actually came to New Zealand as a junior driver. Many sleeps ago. I was still going to school and um, then got to know the Lang family quite good and stayed with him. I think about the 96, I first started staying with him and um, the trips we had with him and uh, just the... He reminded me a lot of Roy Purden. and um, he sometimes you just let it say we quote or we quip to you, and you didn't know how to take it, and you'd think about it, and um, you know you took a lot into it. But um, he was just very wise in his comments, and um, he thought a lot before he spoke, and uh, um, a lot of them were over your head. But um, he was always ten steps ahead of everyone else. And he's still dirty on you that you said desperate comment to Graham instead of Gavin. <laughs> yes, well, actually, because we had an argument over when he, and he, the first time we went to the race, yeah. who was going to drive him, and um, I was on a young fellow, and I thought I knew everything, but knew nothing, and um, I thought, I don't want to father and son arguing here, so I left with them, but um, Daddy Lang Graham, he won out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mate, we, we appreciate you coming on. Wish we had more time, but you're a star, Cran, and thanks for sharing some of your stories um, yeah. about Gavin with us this morning. Yeah, no, pleasure. Great to be in the question. There, there we go. There's uh, the champion trainer, Crandall Gaddy, live from the southern part of New Zealand. Hey, Mick, thanks for coming on, mate. I'm about to read a statement from Megan Lang, um, his beautiful wife. Um, and it's a, it's a powerful statement as well, but we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your stories with your great mate. Yeah, no, I really appreciate being asked. He was a fantastic fellow. So this is a statement as we leave this special this morning. This is from Megan Lang, Gavin's wife. Myself, along with our children, Danielle, Brayden, Courtney, Bailey, Montana and Ruby, our grandchildren, Jackson and Ali, and our extended families, including, of course, Gavin's parents, Graham and Dot, are just so extremely humbled and thankful for all of the continuous calls, messages, cards, gifts, flowers and beautiful well wishes we have had um, continued to receive over the past seven months. 
the support and love from so many people within the industry and beyond has been just so emotional and overwhelming. We could never thank everyone enough for their outpour of generosity and it was this love that kept Gav fighting on hard each day. Not once during this battle did Gav complain. Never did I hear him say, poor me or it's not fair. He remained positive, determined in good spirits and the warrior within him kept him pushing on throughout the entire crazy emotional roller coaster. We were a great team together. I could not possibly be any prouder of him and I am honoured to have been holding his hand and facing this battle right beside him all the way. He fought so hard until the very end. He was courageous, strong, dignified and proud and was so loved and respected by all of the amazing nurses and medical team who cared for him on Ward 4 Grey at Atworth Richmond. This was his final race and it was one he could not win but now it has ended and he is at peace. Taken from us all way too soon. My heart is breaking. He was my everything. Love you more.